I'm Rod Roark. I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon in Dallas, Texas. And welcome to the Roark Knows podcast and our YouTube channel. And the goal of this podcast and channel is to help you be a better you, a more educated you, as we explore all topics related to not only plastic surgery and medicine and beyond, but it's all about safety and helping you find and be a better, more educated consumer on whatever you do. And today, we're very honored and I'm really uh, to have with us a, an amazing plastic surgeon and a good friend, Dr. Jim Stusen from Miami, Florida, who's a world expert in facelift surgery. Jim, welcome. It's nice to be part of uh, Rorick Knows. <laughs> I'm going to learn something today with you, Rod. <laughs> yeah. I always learn something when I talk to Dr. Stusen. No, he's amazing. I mean, just as a as a disclaimer, we are phenomenally great friends. I've known him for well over um, almost 30 years, right? At yeah, least. And, and, you know, he's, he's truly uh, a legend in plastic surgery, not only in faceless, but also in who he is as a plastic surgeon and his honesty and integrity. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to explore some uh, topics related to uh, the hot topics in facelift surgery. So let's just dive in, Jim. So, all right, you know, I know you're a big fan of social media, not, but, but you know, the hottest thing now is the, the deep plane facelift, okay? So I know you and I don't do the deep plane facelift. So tell us about, you know, what is, let's, before we talk about that, what's a real facelift like? You know, people come in and they always say, I want a little mini facelift or something. So, so what is a real facelift? A real facelift, you know, this you'll get different opinions from different people, but a, a real facelift, I think, is to restore the shape of the face that that you lose as you go from youth to middle age. And that sounds like it would be a goal in all facelifts, but it, it really isn't. And, and just because you have a little laxity doesn't mean that if you pull a little bit, you're going to get that restoration of shape. So I try to reserve facelifting for people that are ready to go through the procedure because you want to get something that is very natural, uh, refreshing, but something that's going to last a long time because uh, it, it, it is a real operation. So what is the ideal patient for a facelift? When they come to see you in Miami and you, you say, ah, oh, this is a, she's a good candidate. And I know you, you select them. So what, what is an ideal patient? Well, the best patient has, you know, good skin, good quality, soft tissue. You know, we prefer to do uh, patients that are a bit younger because you have more surgical control because the soft tissues you're working with um, are more predictable. And so the results last longer, the patient satisfaction is higher. But because of all the non-invasive and injectable uh, therapies we have today, I find my practice is actually getting older. And, and many of my patients are in their 60s and even their 70s, and people are healthier as, uh, as we live longer. And you know what? You can get very good results in those patients as well. Good. And so tell us about the type of facelift that you do. You know, it is a deeper plane. It's a SMAS facelift. And, and why do you... Why do you and of course you adjust it based upon the, the patient's age but not only but also their shape of their face right i mean and, and that you know there's a there's a variety of techniques i know on social media deep plane is the hot topic but i, I know you and i we find it interesting deep plane was described 50 years ago by a famous uh <laughs> plastic surgeon and now all of a sudden because of social media and it sounds so so advanced and 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 uh, innovative but it's actually a very, very um, established procedure. Uh, 
And, 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 but as you know, there are many tech, technical approaches in facelifting, and you can get a good result with a variety of techniques because the various techniques are more similar than they are different. And, it, it, you know, we've done the studies in plastic surgery, and I know as you as editor of the journal, we've looked at the, at the various techniques, and, and I think our conclusions has been good results are surgeon-specific more than technique-specific. Right on. That's so right. So I, I think, you know, why I, what I do – you know, maybe we should talk a little bit about what is a deep plane and what, what, right. what, what do you want to talk yeah, about that? Well, why don't you talk about, yeah, the deep plane facelift and I'm going to talk about what you do because that's the hot topic. And you're right. This is not a new thing and it's kind of reinventing the wheel in a little different way with probably different spokes, right? So tell us about what the deep plane is. Well, the deep plane, as I said, was described about 50 years ago from a, a very famous Swedish plastic surgeon, Torkskog, who, who was brilliant. And he realized that aging wasn't just skin deep, but it, but it involved the layer under, this, under the skin, which we call the superficial fascia or SMAS. And that's the plane that the, the fat of the face glides down as we age. And as you know, when you're younger, your facial highlights, your volume is up on your cheekbones. And then as you get older, the fat kind of descends from the cheekbone down into the lower part of the jawline, the face gets square, bottom heavy, you get jowls. And uh, that's the layer that Dr. Skoog was addressing in the deep plane. He found that if you got under the, under the fascia and pulled the fat up in that layer, you got a more youthful shape. And so he tended to popularize that, and it changed the way we do facelifts. And so all the modern techniques, whether it's deep plane or SMAS or SMASectomy, they all reposition the fat from the from the lower cheek to the upper cheek through using that layer so that's the commonality in all the facelift techniques the the problem with the deep plane as i see it as is often done is the skin is not separated from the uh, uh, uh fatty layer so you don't have the same aesthetic control it's harder to tailor it and, and couture it for the aesthetic needs of the patient because the skin is not separate from the from the fascial layer so you don't have as much surgical control in terms of aesthetic so that's the difference between a deep plane and a smash facelift where the skin is separated from the deep layer yeah and i see that when i see these instagram photos you rarely ever see standardized photos for the deep plane because you know they're always showing them in a park or in a tennis court or in, on a beach is that you you don't have that uh, continuity and you're right the ability to do different vectors, you know, from the skin to the deep fascia, because they all age differently, as we've shown, and, and even the fat. It, it, they Not only do the, does the deeper layer age different than the skin, you'll often, once you separate the layers, you realize that the deep layer often moves, not only in a different direction, but a different amount of right. the amount of skin. And then like if, if you are taking a redo facelift where the skin has already been tightened and you try to do that deep layer again, you over tighten the skin envelope and you get a very unnatural result. So, so I just don't find it an aesthetically versatile operation. The thing is it, it's popularized because it's actually a technical, technically easier operation than separating the two layers and it's a quicker operation. So I think that it's gained the popularity as people go through their training, they want something maybe a little quicker, a little easier, but that yet, yet they can market that they're cutting edge. And, and that's what I see. Right. No, I see the same thing, and they say, oh, do you do the deep plane? And you, you know, I feel like, I always say, well, it's, this is beyond the deep plane. I mean, <laughs> we're doing the entire facelift. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just like you said, it's nothing new. And uh, so, so tell us about, okay, you know, you have really described and refined, I think, 
one of the more finesse procedures. You know, I do this mastectomy and stacking, and of course I do the facial fat grafting, but you do an extended facelift, extended mass facelift, which I think is beautiful as well. So tell us about how you reshape the face, because you separate the layers and you reshape the face beautifully. Well, right, you have to separate the skin from the the, deep, the fascia, the deeper layer. Uh, the, you, the key is to read the anatomy, so you, you dose it, you, you do your dissection based on the underlying anatomy. Once you free the skin from the ligaments of the face, you, you don't want to over-dissect because if you do too much, you end up getting a, more of a surgical look. Uh, so you have to, each patient needs the right amount of dosage, and I think that's one of the harder things to learn. You need a lot of experience to be able to read. Some faces need a lot of dissection. Some faces actually do better if you do less. And then once you mobilize the tissue, how you vector it and how you suture it determines where the facial fat ends up. So that ends that determines where you you establish your volumetric highlights. And as you bring the fat up, you not only bring it up, but you bring it internal. You bring it closer to the underlying facial skeleton. So you start highlighting the underlying skeletal highlights because you right. lose your jawline as you get as you get older. But as the fat comes not only up but in, so you see the jawline, you establish the shapes that you're trying to look, and you do that through suturing. Right. And I think just want to highlight what you said, Jim, because I think it's so important because, you know, I find that facelifting is really so much more artistic. I mean, it's like rhinoplasty, maybe even beyond because everybody's so different. And like you said, some patients you dissect more, some less, and sometimes they move more. So you have to be very careful not to make them look overdone. And you overdo a facelift. And of course, I live in Dallas where there was a lot of history of using of overdoing some facelifts that that is something that is so challenging to fix. So I, I do like that concept because, you know, with these bilaminar facelifts, you have much more control, but you also, it's the onus is on you because the artistry lies there. You can adjust the shape, the volume, the contour. And I think that's the beauty of, a fa of the facelifts that we're talking about, right? That's exactly right, Rod. And I've watched you do facelifts, and you do the same thing. You do your smasectomy, which is working on the deep layer, and then you shape it by not only how much you move it. See, in a deep plane, you're just pulling. You're using traction. But in what you do, you're not only moving it, but then you're shaping it with how you suture the, the, the fascia. And that determines not only where the fat ends up, but, again, how it repositions internally to the underlying facial skeleton. That brings out shape, especially in the lower cheek. Right. It is about shape. And, and you always talk about that radial expansion and stuff. And that's so important. And I don't think you can do that uniformly with that one layer deep plane, quote unquote, lift. And uh, so uh, tell us about it, it depends on the face that that yeah. operation will work in some faces, but it won't work in all faces. Like if you have a very thin face that's flat on the side, you'll end up accentuating that and, and, and you won't bring out the beauty. Right. So uh, it's just not a quick a cut. It, it's a powerful facelift, but it doesn't have that couture element of, of individualizing it according to the aesthetic needs of the patient, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think, and, and you you have an expert opinion. So, so tell us also about, um, you know, the role of fat. I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about, you know, I actually do, you know, lots of facial fat grafting centrally, and you do, you do it as well uh, in, in your patients, but tell us why that's important. Well, 
you know, uh, we've talked, we were talking about the descent of fat, the ligaments of the face give out, the, the fat descends. But the other thing that happens as we age is we lose fat, and we lose fat within specific areas. It doesn't, we don't deflate across the uh, uh, cheek uniformly. Uh, and you wrote about it many years ago regarding uh, the fat, facial fat is in compartments. And each compartment will age a little bit differently depending on, 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 on the period of time that you are in your life. So you can reposition the fat through the deep layer, but you have to add volume as well to restore deflation. And, and especially in the deep compartment along the bone of the cheek. And I think that's one of your major contributions in facelifting is, is describing the deep malar compartment. So I have found more and more, I, I do more and more fat graft as part of the procedure because uh, you can create shapes you couldn't create just by pulling on the tissue. That's it. And, and I know you, you call it the lift and fill facelift. I, th I think that we, we did a survey, uh, we published it in, when you were editor of the journal, that 85% of plastic surgeons now are doing fat grafting right. routinely as part of their facelift. And I think it it's just a routine step in facial rejuvenation. Yeah. No, I agree. I think really it's like the standard thing to do because if it's kind of like the missing link. And if, if you lift it only and not fill it, you can see that. You can see that with the older facelift patients that come back and you go, wow, you know, I should have done that because you can only do so much with the smash. You can't do anything here. You, you could, you know, you can't lift, pull it that hard. Well, well, traction doesn't solve the shaping problems alone. Right. Traction plus adding volume gives you more surgical control in, in, in sculpturing the, the shape you're trying to, to produce. So, so I would agree. The problem with fat grafting is is some of it stays, some of it goes. It's a little, it's a biologic material, and sometimes you have to go back and add a little bit more fat. But that's a simple thing to do. Right, I agree. And that is, patients know about it. If not, you can add fat or fillers, and you know we do you, we do that all the time. So, so tell us about how long do faceless last usually you know like the faceless that we do that you and i do ordinarily what what do you tell your patients you know i have to tell you that the the, the better the more you know the more experience i've had in terms of not only dissecting the, the fascia but but suturing it firmly uh i find the cheeks last many many years that, that uh, many times uh, maybe half of my patients, I don't have to go back and redo their facelift. Where it tends to break down is in the neck. Right. Uh, the neck skin is different than facial skin. It tends to get looser. It's more inelastic. It's usually more sun damage, at least in Florida and I imagine in Texas as well. Right. And so you have to go back and do a bit of tightening in the neck and along the jawline. But but the, but the cheeks will often respond just to adding a little bit more volume and fat grafting. But, you know, the standard answer is 10 years, 12 years. Um, but I would say many people last longer, at least in the cheeks, yep. from, from, from the smash work. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's called a maintenance, you know, like every you know, few years, you add a little fat or some, some cheek filler. And, but then when the neck gives out, there's still nothing non-surgical that can tighten, loose, I know, reliably. And that's a little, like, you know, you've talked about a lot, that little. Right, but, but if you've done good muscle work in the center, right. for the first facelift, sometimes you can just do everything from the side. You do uh, what right. you call a platysmal window. You tighten the muscle from the side. You take a little skin out. They're often good for three to five years, and that's an hour procedure and, and a week of recovery. Right. So that's a, that's my mini lift, okay? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so what... I think mini lift is good after They've had a good facelift. Right, exactly. Because when people say I want a mini lift, I mean, is that like done by mini surgeons? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's. I agree. It's. It's something that I actually do on, on my patients that need a little more neck tightening and, and or maybe filling centrally. That's the mini lift. So. Right, and that's a simple procedure with, but but that doesn't work as a primary procedure. Right. If, 
Right, and most people. I mean, the mini lifts I've seen, like remember, remember years ago, there was the corporate lift, I'm not gonna mention the name, and people were getting these mini lifts. They had the worst scars oh. because they use so much skin tension. Right. You know, you can't really do good work with just using skin tension, it, it, it's that's that that's outdated. Yeah, so. and that was a disaster. So often, you know, I do face and eyes, and maybe a laser. And I know. You, so, what is the most common thing you do with a facelift when you're doing your face and face and neck? I mean, you, you do eyes, or you do what? what often, I, often I do eyes. I always do fat. I usually do something to the temporal brow. Okay, where where I pull up the temporal brow, uh, so so you get rid of some of the hooding on the side. I would say that's my most common, and then my most common touch-up is usually fine line filling with with uh, the hyaluronic acid fillers. Those work very well. Right. You know, facelifts don't get rid of fine lines around the mouth and such. Uh, you can laser them or dermabrade them if they want the downtime, but if they don't want the downtime, which increasingly people don't want, I just bring them back for fine line filling. Yep. No, I agree, and I because uh, you know usually the downtime is about two weeks, but if you had a laser appeal, it adds another week, and and some Absolutely. people don't don't like that. And of course, you know you, you, you know you do do a lot of peels and laser uh, as, as well. And I do rhinoplasty sometimes with it as well. But every time you add those things, it adds another week. So that's good. People want to be recovered in two weeks, right? Usually, I I have gotten to the point where I think most of my patients can are socially acceptable and that we do this big operation yeah. but if you take care of them and you do meticulous surgery they're out and about within 10 days right uh, and two weeks is it if you have to take a month to recover from a facelift forget it it isn't worth it and it's not it's not necessary i agree uh, you can get great work without having that type of recovery mm -hmm. but the key is the first week you, the patient takes it easy and 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 uh rest ice you know right and, and great care people. you know great care and i think that's the most important thing you know dr susan and i we see our patients a lot in fact i, I was every day every day i see him every day yeah i mean because i don't see him avoid problems yeah and you do i mean you see him a lot because basically you know i tell him you're gonna get tired of seeing me because you know there's so many little things that you need to make sure go right because if you don't see them, things can go wrong. And I think that's important. You want to catch it early because, right. you know, there's no, of all the cosmetic procedures and we, you and I have done them all, you know, body contra, breast surgery, there's nothing as unforgiving as a complication in a facelift because you can't hide it. Exactly. You get a, a wide scar and a tummy tuck, you put your shirt on. You get a wide <laughs> scar and a facelift, good luck. Exactly. So you ruin people's lives. It's a tremendous responsibility to do this operation. Yeah, no, I agree. And so that really gets me to, so when a consumer or a person wants to find somebody like you or me, what, how do you find a real true facelift expert? I mean, I know people now go to Instagram and TikTok, but what, what, do, you, what do you say to the consumer if they want to find somebody like you? I don't know. It's, it, you know, the... I've been doing facelifts for 35 years, and it's a very humbling operation. <laughs> yes, it really is. And, and, and so I'm not. It's I don't know that answer. Uh, uh, everybody's an expert on Instagram and on their website, but I will tell you, it's a very hard. It, I, I have not mastered the operation, so oh. I, I, it, it's like I'm sure you feel that way about rhinoplasty. How can sure. you master it? It's so many variables. Right. But you want somebody 
who specializes in it. You want somebody right. who does a lot of it. Right. I mean, it's very hard to master it and be doing breast surgery, body control, liposuction, and facelifts. Impossible. Impossible. No, I agree. Really focused on it, and and somebody who has some artistry. Right. Uh, exactly. I think, I think more than just looking on websites, it's nice to actually see patients that have been operated in live. That's why I, I haven't gotten on social media much. I, I'd rather people come who've seen my work, and word of mouth is always a, a more powerful referral base. Yeah. At least for me. No, no, I agree. And uh, you know, I think I, I think I forced you a few years ago to get a website. I mean, so. <laughs> But, you know, the key is just like in California, I know the great plastic surgeons. They're usually not the ones that are on Instagram or TikTok. They're on, you know, people we all know and that do good work. So I agree. Find a board certified plastic surgeon. Find somebody who's got expertise in it, does it often, does it safely, doesn't do crazy stuff, has an accredited operating room, uses anesthesia. And happy patients. And happy patients. Yeah. And and, and, and reviews. And, you know, you've got great reviews. I know you don't look on, on Google, but you've got great reviews, Jim. They think you're honest. They love what you do and that's really what it's all about i mean it's just other people speaking about your great results so i think what's in the future in these last few minutes as we wrap what's in the future you think we're going to be out of a job with facelift surgery in the in the next 10 years what do you think no way no way. <laughs> facial aging is just too complicated and all the non you know all the non-surgical solutions have just made our job harder. You know, I'm sure you've experienced it. <laughs> every day. People, every, they get radio frequency, they get ultrasound, they get uh, injections of materials into their neck to dissolve fat. Those things are uncontrollable. And then when you go back in as a surgeon, all of a sudden, not only has the skin been damaged, but the fat has been damaged, the muscle's been yep. damaged. You have so much more scarring to deal with. You have less surgical right. control in restoring the shape because the tissues have been damaged. No, I don't see those things in the near future changing what we do. Yep. Um, so I just hope that we continue to train surgeons to be able to do the operation safely and, and aesthetically. And, and and that's what there I th see is the real challenge yep. is, is, is turning out people who, who want to do this operation beautifully. Exactly. And I think that's a real challenge, at least in plastic surgery, you know, because everybody wants to do the quick solution, the quick thing, the quick name. And, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of expertise. So, I mean, I think those are wise words from a world expert in, in facelift surgery, Dr. Susan. So I want to thank you for taking the time on a Saturday in beautiful Miami to come talk with us and educate the consumer about, you know, being the best you can be. And I think that's... The, the role of, of this podcast and, and, you know, being a more educated individual. So if you like what we talked about, you know, send us your comments, give us some thoughts on what other topics you'd like us to discuss. And I'm sure I'm going to have Dr. Susan back talk about other things and, and finesse and facial aesthetic surgery. So th Jim, thank you so much and have a great day. Hey, congratulations. Wow. This is a great service to the co consumer and thank you for having me. You today. Bet. I really right. appreciate it. Thank you. Okay.